Hello, my name is Cameron Jernigan. And I'm Cameron Paul. And, and these are the, the Donnelly Diaries. So this podcast series is just an opportunity for us to talk about what we're learning each week in molecular neurobiology. And we're going to talk about how what we learned this week applies to our learning goals that we set at the beginning of the year, as well as what outside information we're using to help build our learning goals. Because both of us are looking at careers in the clinical field, we're interested in how science, especially neurobiology, can affect uh, clinical outcomes. So because of that, we're going to try to include, if we can, in each podcast, a little segment on maybe some malfunction of these structures or just in, in general, some different ways that um, clinically we can see some of these things represent. So to go ahead and get us started on this first podcast, we're going to introduce our learning goals so that we're all aware of what we're trying to accomplish through this podcast. So my three learning goals I set for myself are to identify the structures and functions of the brain and the nervous system and how these may, many different parts, communicate with one another. My second one is to describe how different types of cells help neurons send and receive electrical signals. And then my third goal is to explain factors and processes that are present within the human body that drive emotion, behavior, and personality. Cameron, what are your learning goals for this semester? Well, my uh, my career course has kind of taken a change. So I originally thought that they would be a little more uh, medically related, but instead I've decided to go down like the psychological path. So they kind of shifted towards that. So my first one is to integrate psychological disorders and their effects along with their biological origin. My second one is to learn everyday tasks that could be potentially damaging to our neurons that we don't really know about. And my third is to understand neuroplasticity within the brain and how it's able to rewire itself to function efficiently. Okay, good. So to go ahead and get us started out for this first week, we're going to talk about what we learned during the first week of school. So Cameron, what's something that interested you the most during this first week of school? Well... One thing that really I thought was interesting was how complex simple tasks can be. So we looked at this example of picking up a glass of water and I had never really thought about how intricate that could be. I just, you know, it's something that we take for granted and it's like, oh yeah, you know, I want a drink, so I'm going to take a drink. For but sure. Instead it's like, you know, you have to see the glass and we've like been developing this whole time and over time we've been able to realize like, oh, it's like at this part within my like visual field. So you have to like understand like how far away it is and like you don't just want to sit there and like jerk your hand out to it either. Right. So it takes like muscle coordination and all this is just like going through your head over and over and you're like sitting there and it's like it all happens like literally in an instant. <laughs> but right. It's there. It's so complex. So you're like reaching out to it, and it's like if you go too hard, you're gonna knock the glass over, and water's gonna spill everywhere. Or you could just like reach out and grab, and you're not grabbing anything. But instead, it's like you have to get it perfectly. But it, it's just like to us now, it seems so simple. So that's awesome to me. Yeah, to, yeah. To kind of build on that, that is just crazy. Like to think about how much falls under the responsibility of like the brain and our central nervous system. Like the idea that not only do you have to see sensory information or like interpret sensory information mm -hmm. but you have to then send that and then come up with a, like a correct response to it all when you're not really even thinking of any of that that's crazy to me that the brain has all these intricate 
processes that can do something like that. Oh, yeah. And I think it's cool that we can learn more about that. Yeah. What about you? What did you learn this week that you thought was really interesting? Something that interested me this week and I think will probably continue to interest me through the rest of the semester is I had like a general basis of understanding of like neurons in the central nervous system to an extent because I've taken anatomy one and I'm currently taking anatomy two. So like during classes like that, I had had some kind of basic background in the central nervous system as well as just like preparing and studying for the MCAT, which I've already done. So I had an idea basically of what a lot of these structures and functions and regions of a neuron were. Uh, and then I feel like some of the things we learned this week kind of flipped some of that on the head or just was more detailed. Uh, one example of that was when we talked about the different, how like the different parts of a synapse. And we talked about the presynaptic part of a neuron and a postsynaptic part of the synapse. And in my head, I had always thought of the presynaptic part as always being the axon and the postsynaptic part as always being the dendrite. Right. And I hadn't really thought, I guess, I guess so far at this point in school, we hadn't really learned that that isn't always the case. So I thought it was really interesting to hear that like we can have axodendritic connections or axoaxonic connections or dendrodendritic connections. I think that's really interesting. It kind of just flipped my view of a neuron or a synapse on its head. And so I'm interested to see like throughout the semester how different things we continue to learn will continue to like change my perception of a neuron and then even more broadly the central nervous system, I suppose. Oh yeah, like... That's exactly what I thought. Whenever we started talking about synapses, in my head, it was the axon had the neurotransmitter and the dendrite had the receptor and there was no other way that that could possibly happen. So whenever we started talking about how dendrites are communicating with other dendrites and they're synapsed or the axons are communicating with other axons, I was super confused. I was like, that, like, I feel like life is a lie. Like, I felt like that kind of felt, you know, like whenever you take a class and the teacher starts out and they're like, we're going to operate under this particular basis. But by the time we get to the end of the class, you're going to realize like this whole basis we're operating under is a complete lie. Like a, a false construction. Of like reality. once you, once you really it's like the matrix. Yeah. It's like you, once you understand more then I can tell you like, yeah, this isn't really how it works. We just needed to simplify it so that you wouldn't get so confused. And this is the part where we definitely... Yeah, especially like learning that there was more than just a presynaptic part and a postsynaptic part, but there's also like an extracellular matrix or glial cells like that are interacting. Mm -hmm. That's just like far expanding my model of what I thought a synapse was yes. and what I understood it to be before that. So that's neat. So much more complex. Anyways, those are just some things that interest us. So we can move on to our next part. So in this next part, we want to basically address one or two of our learning goals each week um, by drawing on information from the week or information that we've learned from other classes and, and just make sure that we're really addressing the things that we're wanting to learn. So Jern, uh, what, are, what do you want to talk about that like, kind of goes along with your learning goals? So like I already said, we already introduced our learning goals for the semester. And I honestly felt like the lectures from this week hit a lot of my learning goals really well. But if I had to pick one, I would say the one that's most specific for this is I have the learning goal that says describe how different types of cells help neurons send and receive electric signals. And although this lecture wasn't like super in detail about any of that, I felt like it gave a really good foundation for that question. Um, so we talked about how neurons are our basic functional unit of the central nervous system and how they are sending and receiving cells, I mean signals. 
So then we talked about some additional cells that are coming into the picture there and helping these neurons in those cells. And that's something that signals, and that's something that I was <laughs> really wanting to like learn this semester. So we definitely set a good foundation. We talked about how astrocytes, um, they provide both neuronal support, but also synaptic support. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we said oligodendrocytes um, have myelin formation. And that's something that I had talked about before in AMP2. So as far as the basis of oligodendrocytes, I understand that they are forming that myelin, which is helping to insulate our signal and then kind of having that saltatory conjunction of like our signal. Yeah. Um, so that's my basic understanding of that right now, just kind of from other classes. And then microglia, I've learned about from a micro, and I know that they're like the CNS immune cells and they have um, some phagocytic properties, I believe. Uh, and then the last thing we mentioned in this lecture was the endothelial cells and how they make up the blood brain barrier. I don't know a ton about that, but I do know that that's a pretty tight junction, I believe, and like there's not that much that gets through there, and it's pretty selective. So I imagine that there's some kind of filtering process going through those endothelial cells to make up a barrier like that. Well, I actually, we talked about the blood-brain barrier in one of my other classes, in my, in my neurophysiology class, and it's like, in order to keep normal infections that you get in the body or like toxins and things like that, from getting into your brain, like you said, there's like this really tight barrier that keeps toxins and like other, other really almost everything from getting into the brain so that it can like, if you have a bodily infection, it's not affecting your brain, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. That's yeah. why like you actually have like different immune properties within your body and within your brain. Like the, like the, at least that's my understanding of it from, from what, I have I've learned in, in neurophys so the blood brain barrier I think is like super super cool yeah I'm excited to learn more about it I yeah I like I said I think that that was just a good foundation for starting to answer that question of how these other types of structures and cells are sending that signal or helping the neurons send the signal so that's the learning goal that I'll address for this week but Cameron what is a learning goal that you felt like you've added to and how is that well like I said um, psychological disorders and how they come about like through biology I think is really cool and so in my abnormal psych class that I took this past summer we talked a lot about that and one disorder in particular is generalized anxiety disorder Um, and there's different perspectives on what causes generalized anxiety disorder Um, you have like the environmental perspective there's the the humanistic perspective, the cognitive perspective, and then you have the biological perspective. And they will do these family pedigree studies to see like the correlation between relatives that have generalized anxiety disorder and try to see if there's some genetic correlation. Um, but one thing that they found is GABA, which is like the primary neurotrans- like ne- neurotransmitter that's an inhibitor, um, they see low activities of GABA. Hmm. Um, and I mean, that's, that's really all I learned, but I just think that it's, it's really cool that we're able to see that alongside with like some psychological disorder and be like, yeah. okay, like, you know, maybe it's not, I, I think there's a lot of people I, well, I know that there's a lot of people that think depression and anxiety are just like, people are like, Oh, it's just like, it's a choice. Like it's just in their head. If they, 
if they don't want to be sad or worried, like, then they can right. just not Or it's be. all environmental-based. Yeah. But this kind of shows, like, there's a biological side of that. Like, there's there's something, you know, that could be physically wrong with them. Yeah. And I, I think it gives a better basis for us to, <clears throat> to have, give treatment, which, you know, there's, like, there's relaxation training, there's antipsychotic medicine, antidepressant mm-hmm. medicines, and I just, I hope that this will help people understand, like, you know, Anxiety and depression, like, they can have biological bases. Right. And, like, and like we said, that's something that we're pretty passionate about as wanting to be future clinicians is that there is some kind of biological, like, structurally wrong issue that's driving a lot of these, whether it is, like, more of a mental issue or more of a physical issue that we are, we're seeing in a lot of patients. So I think it's really interesting that this class gives us the opportunity to kind of build some more in-depth understanding of some of maybe these things that we've learned in other classes like AMP or psychology. So like we said, we're going to try to have a point where we talk about some kind of disorder in each, um, in each podcast. So yeah, I was glad you brought it up for your learning goals. That's interesting. So for this last segment of our podcast for this week, we want to talk about something during the lectures that either like challenged us or confused us or something that we found difficult or maybe just even something that we want to learn more about. So Cameron, what's something that kind of falls in that category from the lectures for you this week? Well, you hit on it earlier, and it was the different types of synapses. Yeah. And like I said, I have always heard that it's the axon's the presynaptic terminal, and the dendrite is the postsynaptic terminal. So it's like all the neurotransmitter is in the axon, and the receptors are in the dendrite. And it's difficult for me to like, then be like, oh no, some dendrites... I guess are going to send neurotransmitters. Yeah, for sure. Like, like we said, it's like flipping it on its head, which is strange. And like then whenever it's like a dendrite is communicating with another dendrite, does How's that, that working? are they both going to send? Or are they both going to receive? Is it going to just like be in the extracellular matrix? Uh-huh. I, I'm just kind of confused about that. So I'm hoping that we're able to discuss that more so that I'm able to have a better understanding and, and you know, not because I, I feel kind of dumb right now, <laughs> not really understanding how this is all going to work. But I'm I'm sure we'll I, I'm sure that we'll be able to have a better understanding about it soon. What about you? I think the thing that was especially like it was for sure new to me. So because of that, probably just a little taking some time to understand. But for me, it was the idea of like dendritic spines because I've heard about dendrites for a while now. That's been mm-hmm. something that I've understood. So like adding the idea of like they have these little projections, these spines. Which makes sense because they're trying to get more surface area. Right. And trying to get close to the axon. Like, that makes sense to me. But just, like, the different conformation changes they go through, and, like, what that says about a neuron, what's driving those conformations, all that's still a little new to me. And so I'm still trying to, like, understand, A, why that's happening, and then, B, how that's happening, I guess. Uh, so the just the idea of dendritic spines is something that I think is kind of challenging for me right now, but I look forward to, like, understanding more about it. Well, yeah, it's like... I feel like at every point, like in every semester, we feel like we've like reached the smallest part of whatever we're talking about. And then we just zoom in a little bit more. Yeah. And I feel like, like every new what, class yeah, is just like, zooming. It's like we have the axon and we have the dendrite. All right, cool. So that's what's happening like at a synapse. And then it's like, oh, there's also spines on the dendrite that are smaller. Mm-hmm. And like that's really like, I guess, how they communicate. Yeah. And, and we talked about like the roles that like fear condition can have to in- inducing that spine formation. So I guess I'm just wondering... 
like what other things are inducing that dendritic spine formation and like yeah. how is that happening but anyways that's something that a little confused about but excited to learn more about for sure yeah i think so sweet and I'm, I'm sure we will yeah well thank you for tuning in to our first week this has been our very first podcast about um, neurobiology this semester and we're excited to do more thanks